Welcome to the T2 Hubcast. Join T2 and guests as they discuss all things personal and professional development. The T2 Hubcast, brought to you by the People Performance People. Welcome to the T2 Hubcast with me, Spencer Locker. And me, Martin Johnson. Morning, Martin. Morning, mate. How long has it been since we've been in well, a room to do this? You're never around anymore. You're never around anymore. I think I like. I was wondering this week whether you're actually a T2 employee anymore. <laughs> You've been on the road for how long? Oh crikey! I, I, the, many different roads. That's the thing. It's 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 been up and down and left and right and working with some fantastic clients. Really, really interesting and diverse. Do you know what? When you say about many roads, I was having a conversation yesterday with our new apprentice, Sophie. Yeah. Sophie's 18. Yeah. And she was talking about uh, how she had to go somewhere and she was like following the sat-nav. Yeah. And it was like really daunting. And I went to her. Do you know when I first passed my test, I had to go on the roads for work and I had to use a map, an old school map. So I remember my first ever trip to Cumbria, Kendall. And uh, I didn't have a clue where it was. And I had this massive A to Z map of the UK on the passenger seat open. I'd drawn a felt tip pen, like, you know, map to where I was going. And I had to write all the roads and the junctions down. And that's when when I was 19. That's how I, or 20, that's where I, how I got to places. Yeah, same and Sophie sat there going, "It was the sat-nav was really confusing. You know, <laughs> it's like, God, I'm feeling all that. But yeah, you've done a lot of travel, haven't you? And, yeah. Um, yeah, it's good to good to catch up. And yeah, what we're going to talk about, Spence, because I mean, I don't know if this has got anything to do with your travels or is this just something that has come up recently or... Well, it's, it's funny you should say that. So as you know, as you said, I've, I've been on the roads up and down the country quite a bit and uh, and, and I'm a big music fan. You are. Um, however, I thought I'd shake it up a bit, be a bit dangerous. And I've been in, listening to some podcasts. Um, Careful just with the... that, opening your brain up to new stuff. <laughs> Well, he's, it, that was the thing is um, it wasn't any particular one. I can't sort of quote and I can't sort of, but it just got me thinking. It got me really thinking because, um, as, as you know, we, we do a lot of work with mental health. Yeah. Um, we, we study it. We consider it. Um, we have people that we work with that study it and consider it and help people. Um, I'm think, I think one of the things was um, Leon and Paul, Doing stuff with their podcast and 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 the work that they did with Andy's Man Club and things like that. Yeah. So thinking about mental health and and, and 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 also to add to that, Spence, a lot of our coaching sessions, one-to-one coaching sessions that start off around professional development or personal development for somebody on a growth plan, it usually involves some type of uh, managing personal worry, uh, stress, mindset. Um, you know, and therefore it almost is all linked, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, and, and so, yeah, over the years, I guess we've become more involved in it, more educated in it. Yeah. Just through the line of work that we do. Mm. And, and, and when we, that, that, I think that's the crux of it really, because a little bit of knowledge is a terrible thing. Yeah. <laughs> and we can, and we, when we, we, we talk to some people out there, I mean, let's, let's make no bones about it. Both you and I are veterans, military veterans. Yep. And um, because of um, the service that we did, um, no matter how long or short that may have been, um, the circles we move in and the people that we talk to, uh, you know what? When we start talking about mental health and things like that, the the subject of post-traumatic stress disorder um, invariably crops up. Yeah. And, and what's interesting about this is, 
PTSD and post-traumatic stress, post-trauma response, whatever you want to call it, is usually synonymous with the military. Yeah. Uh, you know, a returning serviceman or woman coming from Afghanistan or deployment or wherever they've been, and as a result of what they've experienced and seen and observed, they then start suffering from what we call post-traumatic stress. It also can be synonymous with people who work in the emergency services. So firefighters or uh, paramedics, whoever it is who are out there seeing not very nice things and experiencing not very nice things. Not your average human being's day uh, would would ever be close to a firefighter or a paramedic, if you think about that. So it does get, it gets sort of synonymous with these frontline, let's call them that, frontline mm-hmm. servicemen and women of the military and the emergency services. And it's absolutely true. There's a lot of PTSD that, that can happen and post-trauma that can happen in that. However, I think that what we've learned, Spence, if you agree, is that on a, on a slightly different, sometimes lesser um, severe scale, post-traumatic stress can happen in many other different ways. Mm. It can happen in the workplace. It can happen in personal lives from losing your job to a broken down relationship. You know, it can, that for some people can be a traumatic event that can lead to post-traumatic stress. Mm. And I think that that doesn't, that doesn't get the airtime it deserves No, because we seem to want to say that it's only reserved for the really big traumatic things in our life, you know? <clears throat> and yeah, and it's interesting you should say that because even, even in my experience with, uh, with veterans, uh, and I'm not saying this is all veterans, not by any stretch of the imagination, but with my experience with veterans, it seems to be a bit of a one-upmanship sort of thing. So when you get a bunch of veterans together, certain types of veterans, again, I've got yeah. to say this, it's not all veterans, but it's a case of, oh, I've got PTSD, oh, I've got PTSD. How that's been diagnosed I don't know whether it's self-diagnosis or not, because a lot of people might suffer something, um, go through a traumatic experience and then go, well, I don't like that. Therefore, I'm suffering from PTSD. And it's not quite as simple as that. No, it's not. It's complex. But I guess our point for this conversation, isn't it, is that, um, you know, trauma can be different things to different people. It can happen daily yeah. uh, without it being a life or death situation. It, without necessarily seeing or observing a gruesome or uh, worrying thing, hmm. it can be uh, a traumatic event for somebody to go to a job interview. It can be traumatic for somebody to have a friendship broken down. It can be traumatic for somebody um, to lose their job and already be struggling hmm. and not know what to do. Yeah, you know. So I think um, I think what we're observing is that the response can happen more often than you think. Yeah. But again, it is a little bit of a um, of an area which needs dealing with properly and diagnosing properly. Yeah, across. yeah. But what we're going to talk about here, Spence, I think is something which uh, I think is important for people to understand mm. from this pod- podcast, which is no matter what event or situation causes you a challenge or trauma or, or is perceived as trauma or whatever it might be, you don't always have to go down that post-traumatic stress route. Yeah, that is not the it's not the default, is it? It's not the default, and this is this is one of the things that sort of really sort of jumps out at me, is because the post-traumatic stress it tends to get a lot of airtime. Um, a lot of people assume it, um, and when again, potential employers 
and potential employers are looking at ex-servicemen, ex-emergency services, things like that, then they may sort of assume that there's going to be some sort of post-traumatic trauma um, or post-traumatic stress or anxiety. However, there's another side of that that very, very few people know about. Okay, let's go for it. So what's the opposite to post-traumatic stress? It's the other side of the coin is post-traumatic growth. Is that something you're familiar with, Martin? I am now. <laughs> I am now since you told me we was podcasting on it. You know. But yeah, and, and I get this because it, it it's the answer to the question, how can two people go through a similar shared experience? One comes out from it and it affects their life negatively. One com- The other can come out from it and it affects their life positively they harness it and channel it yeah and it's purely down to the predisposed position of those two people in the first place which we'll come to and it also comes down to the way they perceive that event Mm. going forward yeah and it explains why two siblings for example twins or two siblings can go through a similar upbringing of let's say for example it's parental separation um you know uh, hardships whatever it might be one ends up in prison and resentful of the world. Yeah. And one ends up being successful. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that is down to the predisposed position of those two siblings, but also it's the way they perceived what happened to them. And one has grown from it hmm. and one has suffered from it. Yeah. Does that make sense? And oh, very much it's, so. It's yeah. a simple, simplified answer, but post traumatic growth is where you experience the same trigger, the same trauma. Even temporarily, Spence, in both occasions, you have some temporary, temporary, temporary sort of, uh, you know, challenge. You feel down, sad, worried, stressed, anxious. You get the same initial response yeah. to the trauma. Yeah. However, after a period of perception and aligning it, one go- grows from it, post-traumatic mm-hmm. growth. Yeah. And one person might become stressed on an ongoing and debilitated on an ongoing basis from it. Does that make sense? It does. It makes sense. And I think that's the perfect way to explain, isn't it? The initial response from trauma Mm. is the same. Yeah. Temporary debilitation, stress, worry, anxiety, whatever it might be. Didn't like that. Mm -hmm. This doesn't feel great. Yeah. But then after a period of reflection and interpretation, one grows. If you're going to go post-traumatic growth, you grow from it and learn from it and harness it and channel it. Yeah. Or one becomes ongoing, you know, on an ongoing basis, stressed, debilitated, incapacitated, whatever it might be. Mm. Yeah. It was really um, reading some some interviews and, and reading some articles about this um, because I, I, I sort of, it, when, when it was pitched as two sides of the same coin, so you're still going, as, as you so eloquently put there, we go through this trauma, it could be a similar trauma, and that initial um, outcome from that trauma is stress, anxiety, not liking it. However, looking at some of the, some of the reports, some of the things that, are, some of the articles that I've read, where um, you've got people questioning, why have I come out of this situation and now the world looks like a better place and colours are more vivid? And relationships are more precious, and are putting more effort into the. And it's just that 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 I, I, I hate saying unbridled positivity, but it's 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 almost an ex, a gratitude rather than expectation. 
Yeah. I'm great. I'm more grateful. The things that I've already got, the things that I'm going through, the things that I'm aiming towards, I've got a more positive slant on it. It mm. means more, possibly because you've seen the bottom of the barrel, because you've been to that place where it's not nice, and now you re- you sort of put it into a different context. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I guess if someone said, okay, so what's the difference between those who, who experience the same trauma or a similar nature of tra- trauma and they grow from it versus the ones who suffer from it. That's not a simple question to answer. No. And it's not one we can probably give on this podcast no, no, because no. it's multifaceted. You know, we know a lot about over time, how our brain develops and how our personality styles develop and how our motivators manifest and how people see the world. And that then creates your predisposition to trauma and stress. For example, I think my predisposition is very, I'm I'm very likely to go down post-traumatic growth route because of the way I view the world, the way I'm motivated, the way my personality type is, my value system. I, I'm much more predisposed. I'm not saying that I'm not, um, I'm absolutely susceptible to going down post-traumatic stress that every human being is. Well, can I just, can I just, just I, I'm sorry to interrupt you here, Martin. But you're in a unique, well, I say unique position. You're in a quite a defined position here because you've experienced trauma. Yeah. When you were going, uh, you were uh, on that sinking ship mm. in the Tasman Sea. Yeah. So maybe you could reflect on that. Maybe you could reflect on the, the after the, I mean, we've talked about the actual incident. Yeah. So what about afterwards? I mean, did you notice any differences? Yeah, and and so, yeah, there's that example. And then there's actually another example that I would say. If you said to me, what is the most uh, traumatic thing you've gone through Hmm. that has made you, that you couldn't get out your head for a period of time afterwards? It was actually a situation where I'd only just started driving. I'd been driving, oh God, a few months Mm. And um, I was driving back from a from from work. I'd been out of town on an evening, and it was a winter's evening, dark nights around six p.m. And a car, the headlights of a car in front of me, started coming across to my side of the road. Mm. Literally, I slammed on it, veered off, went down an embankment, and crashed into a fence. Now, at this time, I'm probably twenty three years old, twenty four years old. Right. So my instincts are: I'm fresh out of the military. My instincts are: stop, go to help. So I pulls over the side of the road. I'm the first one to the car. The car's into the fence. Uh, horn is going. Engine's still going. Steam coming up, etc. And and long story short, without the detail, I opens the car door. There's a there's a guy, middle aged, probably fifties, sixties, slumps over the wheel. Uh, clearly has a problem. Gone unconscious. Drifted off the road. And I remember at the time, my heart's pounding. Um, you know, I, I follows my basic instincts of what I need to do to check his pulse and talk to him and see if he's. A, and fortunately for me, the next person down the embankment was an off-duty police officer who was who was also following me, and he sort of took the lead, which I'm really grateful for. But we were there for about ten minutes before the ambulance came, and it wasn't a pleasant sight. The guy mm. was clearly in trouble. Mm. I later learned he'd had an heart attack at the wheel. Right. Um. So. I still think about that today sometimes. I have vivid memories of that incident and situation. And I, and I regard that as that was a, something that affected me for a few years when driving, when thinking about, you know, family members and all the rest of it. And, um, yeah, I, I, 
you know, and although that that some people would have found that really difficult to deal with, like you mentioned on HMS Nottingham when we had mm. a we had a a really severe twelve hours, it was literally you know not looking great. Um, I've never once felt like um, I couldn't process those thoughts. I've always been able to process them, and by by processing, I mean I, I get the horrible feeling every now and then of the vivid memories of the guy and the noises that he was making and how he looked and everything. But I very quickly try and process the thoughts as to, okay, that was some time ago. For it's it's not very common. It's one the stats suggest X and try and rationalize myself back into it's like the old when you're getting on if anybody's ever scared of flying and they have these thoughts of this plane's going to crash, what if it crashes and wipes my family out? You only really have to look at some data and evidence that it's the safest mode of transport. Mm. And actually, you're more at risk of dying in a car than you are an aeroplane. And of the millions of flights that fly every day, it's 0.008% of flights that ever have a problem. Mm. And when you when you look at a pro- when you rationalize something like that, it's really easy to process it. And I think, I don't know if that answers your question, but I seem to be able to process my thoughts around something quite well mm, okay and get pragmatic with it pragmatic that's a good word yeah a bit sort of um recognizing what's in your power your sphere of control um and putting things into a context yeah and then sort of as you what, said, what's in your control it. and also for me being pragmatic is looking at the statistical chance mm. of this happening again or happening to you incredibly low right in in, in more situations Right, and and then as you as you said there, um, this was a, an incident that happened just short of twenty years ago. Yeah, uh, and and even today that it's affecting you. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. I still um, think about it sometimes. Yeah, I do. It is a traumatic event, uh, which at the time put an awful lot of stress mm-hmm. into me, and I had the same response. But very quickly afterwards, I don't think I do. I, I managed to process it, and you know, and um, and and kick on. And I think, you know. Another, I've had a couple of business examples where I've felt really, um, I felt really exposed and really uneasy about my responsibilities as a business owner, right. about where we're going, about certain relationships that I've had challenges with, which put an awful lot of trauma and stress hmm. on me. Um, and it would have been easy at that point to give it all in and just go, right, I can't be dealing with this, you know. And I look back at those things now, and they've definitely made me stronger. Mm. I've definitely, I've definitely learned how to, if that comes up again, how I navigate and deal with those situations. I would probably guess, Spence, that that would constitute post-traumatic growth. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you can look at it from the p- position of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Um, but, uh, but going back to the point, I think mm. I'm as a as a with my motivations and my personality type and my values, as we know, you know, my drive, my to be strong and self-reliant, my level of resilience. I think I'm predisposed to probably experience post-traumatic growth more mm. than post-traumatic stress. Mm. Whereas I think it's not easy for, for everybody listening to this to just say, oh, well, that's easy then, Martin. You process your thoughts after tra- trauma, mm. you focus on what you control, and you harness it into something great. That's really easy to say, right? Some people are predisposed by the way they're motivated, the value system they have, the way they see the world, to absolutely go down a road of potentially post-traumatic stress. 
right? Because maybe they're wired in a more emotional way. Maybe they don't have as much natural personal armor. Maybe they feel the world a lot more. Maybe they have a higher degree of empathy and compassion for human suffering than I do. Hmm. And that's not making me out to be a bad person. No. But some people have a higher degree uh, of empathy and compassion for human suffering. So when they experience human suffering, it's not easy for them to get over. Hmm. Because it's the whole core, the value, it's all their yeah. system. Yeah, yeah. Whereas somebody who has a, a degree of empathy and compassion for human suffering, but it may not be to the tune of that person, may be able to contextualize and process and, and be pragmatic about a situation more than that previous person. So it's not easy, is it? No, no. So, so many so many variables in there. But I think, um, that I mean, looking at some of the things that are, that the uh, the results of some of the studies um, they were talking about uh, tra- uh, the, a lot of the people who, who reported uh, post traumatic growth uh, specified three ways um, in which their psychological function increases. So it was basically um, relationships. Yeah. So it's externalizing relation uh, how you, uh, you you relate you relate to other people, um, changing their self view. So it's it's sort of rationalizing your your perception of yourself. So sort of developing wisdom, personal strength, um, something that I mentioned earlier on gratitude rather than expectations. Just just on that subject, I find that for me as a, as as an individual myself, I find that I I suffer more um, from mental health when I focus on my expectations rather than my gratitude. Yeah. Um, so the things that when, when things aren't coming my way that I think should come my way, that impacts on me negatively. Yeah. Um, and, and I know it's a step away from it's not it's not post traumatic stress and not necessarily post traumatic growth, but for me, for for focusing on what I'm grateful for, what I'm where I'm actually been, um, and the fact that maybe some of the trauma that I've experienced hasn't impacted me that badly. So I'm quite grateful for being in the position I'm in. Well, I'll tell you someone who I met who I think absolutely epitomizes post-traumatic growth. Mm. We had a a, a Royal Marine speaker at one of our T2 talks called Paul Weiss. Oh, yeah, yeah. Paul Weiss. Um, not been in touch with him for a while, actually, but he he does a great keynote. He he was blown up in Afghanistan mm. uh, on deployment. And when I say blown up, he was the first in line of his troop, uh, was heading towards a compound, spotted a device in the wall. By the time he turned around to nut, to get people to back off, it went off. Right. So he was in the vicinity, first in the blast. Yeah. Um, he had all, all sorts of injury, injuries from his arm to his leg to uh, quite quite a lot. I think he's got a prosthetic limb on his on his leg as well, mm. and um, yeah, it, it, it was horrendous injuries. I remember him showing some of the pictures in his in his thing. Anyway, he says for a period of time afterwards, he he suffered negatively with like obviously being angry at it. Mm. Why him? What does this mean for him? You know how it's affected his life. How he's going to do this? And he actually he didn't know well for for a period of time. And then he experienced this complete other side, which was the gratitude side. Mm. Hang on a second. I'm still alive. Mm. Hang on a second. There's people worse off than me. Hang on a second. I've still got every opportunity to have a life and go and do these things. And he started competing in the Invictus Games. Mm. And he started public speaking. Mm. And he started harnessing all of that post-trauma and that resentment and anger that he was feeling into gratitude. Reframing it. And the difference yeah. between living on gratitude and anger and resentment mm. is huge yeah. on your mental health, like you say. Mm. 
if you've ever, if you want to check him out, Paul Vice MC online, he's, I think he's got talks called The Commando Who Refused to Die. Yeah. And he's, he's a yeah, fantastic yeah. bloke and he's absolutely epitomizes gratitude and how you can harness that into post-traumatic growth. Right. So, so taking from that and, 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 and listening to what, what you were mentioning earlier on, so that from the point of trauma, um, the journey from that point of trauma can be very, very similar. It's, it's sort of that, that um, not happy and, and, and not, not, not positive. And, I think the journey, yeah. And, and the other. But then it starts it's like a crossroads. to diverge. Yeah. I think you're right. I think trauma will instantly in the moment and temporarily affect every human being, no matter how resilient you are. Trauma's trauma. We're not used to it. We don't live it every day, right? And and I think everyone, including myself in that scenario of attending the, the accident with the guy, it, it's enough to give you a wobble. So I think the initial response is similar in everyone. Short for a period of time after, though, there will be a crossroads. You'll either end up going down a road of post-traumatic growth, harness it, channel it, experience gratitude, reframe it, you know, be pragmatic, mm. or you you you'll struggle to do that, and that can lead into ongoing post-traumatic stress. Mm. And I'm not so sure you're entirely in control of which way you go. No. I think you're naturally predisposed to go down one, but I think if you take something away from this podcast, I think it's know that there is another road, yeah, and that people do come out of trauma traumatic incidents, mm. stress, anxiety, worries, big life events, mm. and they do b- become stronger and better for it and they grow out of it. Yeah. And if you can just start thinking about that, that's an option. By focusing on the controllables, by ex- displaying gratitude, by mm. reframing, by getting pragmatic, it, offer, it offers hope. Yeah, I think it does. I think, I think, um, I, I, I think, and I'm not necessarily talking about, because I think some people, see PTSD or, or, or variables of PTSD as a bit of a, a sort of a badge of honour, a bit of a, yeah, I'm ex-military and yes, I've got PTSD. Um, and and it's necessarily these the, these people that have, have been officially diagnosed with it, but some people who think, you know what, I've been through tr- a certain amount of trauma, I should feel this way, I should feel bad. And maybe they do feel bad to a vari- to, to varying degrees. But again, with this growth thing, this is something that not a lot of people talk about, and I think it is that vi- that that as you said, there's another there's another way. Well, well, even though the minority are probably people who, like you say, maybe go down that road of badge of honor. I think yeah. the majority who have genuinely been diagnosed with it and got it. Yeah, I think even for them, there'll be a period of time where that can turn into post traumatic growth. Yeah, yeah, and for some, it might be a few weeks. For some, it might yeah. be six months, a year. For some, yeah. it might be three years on yeah. their journey. But you see a lot of them, we see them on the speaker circuit these days, a lot of people who have generally been in that place and are now in a different place. But it's taken a period of time for you to be able to deal with that and overcome Mm. it to go into post-traumatic stress. So I actually think the last thing we need to say, Spence, is Mm. even if if people genuinely suffer post-traumatic stress for a period of time, it still doesn't mean you've gone down that road and now you you can't go. Yeah, It it can still turn into post-traumatic growth. Only when you can somehow process it, deal with it, um, and come out the other end, focusing on the controllables with gratitude, yeah, and harnessing it into something incredible. Yeah. And Reframing I think you see, it, we yeah. see that all the time. And that's why, from a divorce, for example, some people get on with it straight away. 
Yeah. Some people take six months. Some people don't get over a divorce for five, ten years. And again, you've got the variables and the multiples in that where you, you, it's not necessarily just the divorce, but the separation from your children, maybe. Yeah, yeah. How are you going to deal with that? Some people get over the loss of a close loved one within a year or two. And when I say get over, nobody fully gets over it, but some people process it quicker than yeah, others. Yeah, Some people process yeah. it to the point where it, you, you remember your 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 nearest and dearest and a really positive it becomes a positive experience when birthdays comes around and Christmas and you toast to them and you remember them in a positive light. And some people it takes years because the the trauma of losing that person yeah. is is not easy for them. And yeah. and there's so many variables around it. But I think what we're saying here is post traumatic growth is a is a is a viable and real alternative to dealing with trauma and, and challenge. Yeah. It is. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so with uh, less than two minutes on the clock, uh, I think that that final statement there is is all-encompassing. I think that's what we're really sort of focusing on. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much for your insight. Nice to have a natter. It is, Martin. And I think anybody just listening to this, it's just remember, trauma is in many different ways and things in the workplace every day with the pressures, the stresses, having to provide, cost of living, moving up the, 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 the chain of command. You know, if you if you resonate with this, Think how you can harness and grow from it, and it'll happen in time, I'm sure. Excellent. Martin Johnson, thank you very much. Awesome. Thanks, Spencer. Uh, So we'll be back soon with another T2 podcast. Uh, Hubcast, in fact. Cheers, Martin. See you later.